0: What's your motive? And now on Blog Talk Radio, you're listening to Wine Talk with Stu the Wine Guru. Thank you, thank you. Welcome to Wine Talk for today, Saturday, October 24th. I'm your host, Stu the Wine Guru, coming to you live from sunny Coral Springs, Florida, as I always do every Saturday at noon. We've got a fantastic show for you today. Later, we will discuss to screw cap or not to screw cap. I'll be taking your calls for that at 646-381-4860 or email me at info at later in the show. We'll talk about some industry updates in my segment called "Herded Through the Grapevine. After that, I will give you my review of a great value-priced wine. Today's wine is from South Africa and is under $13. You'll want to stick around for that. I will make some red and white wine recommendations in my segment, Stu's Pick of the Week. Also, I will mention a few wine events going on around the country. So if you want a good wine festival to go to or a good wine event to check out, you'll want to hear my suggestion. Up first, I heard it through the grapevine. Industry update. I was taking a pause there because I was checking something here. I was getting an email. This is an article from the Washington Post from David McIntyre entitled Warming Up to Chilean Chardonnays. I have to say prior to reading this, uh, this article that Chile is experiencing record numbers when it comes to red wine, Malbecs, Cabs, blends. However, most whites have not experienced the same response. So, now on to the article. For new and exciting wines from South America, look for Bracing Sauvignon Blanc from Chile's Elqui, or Leda Valleys, or Stellar Riesling from Diobio, several hundred miles south of the capital of Santiago. In Argentina, look for exotically flavored Tarantes from Salta or San Juan in the north. These are the emerging wine regions of South America where established wineries and foreign investors are producing high-quality, value-priced bottles that are worth searching out. I just wanted a little snippet of that uh, because I think there's something to be said in regards to the South American region. Uh, It has seen an incredible boom. In fact, um, I would go as far as saying that South America is the France of about 10 years ago. It's definitely coming into its own with great value-priced wines. And the whites are probably going to take their place, but in time. Malbecs are now their age, and calves as well. I will suggest to buy some of the Malbecs, like Tatina or Navarro Correa, and Cellar them for about five to ten years and then try them then. I think you'll find that they'll be as good as they are now, but they'll be fantastic, even better. So not only are the South American wines worth getting young and drinking now, but they also will be wines that you can cellar. Malbecs originally were grown in France. So with that knowledge, you know French wines tend to be better at cellaring than... Uh, and, and keeping then some, I don't say all, and I don't I don't make this say uh, rule of thumb, than some of Napa and a lot of the United States wines. Um, so that's something that you want to keep in mind when you're looking at South American wines. And again, the great part about them is that when you walk into a wine store, you're getting great value. Right now you're looking at, let's just say, Tarantes, uh or and I'll, I'll just go with the white wines, and the Chardonnays, Somewhere in the nine ninety five range, upwards of maybe tops. You know, you can you can find them for you know the twenty five and thirty dollar range, but you really don't even need to spend that. You can spend probably on average about fifteen dollars and get a really good white. conversely with the reds, which again are exploding right now on the market, uh, the container Malbec uh, is about seventeen or eighteen dollars and that's because they've gotten involved with Baron the Rothschild, uh, the French producer, to produce the wines, and they've bought up acreage in in Chile to uh, plant the Malbecs and the Cabernets, and have done extremely well. The, some of the wine French wine producers and winemakers have gotten together with uh, Mr. Catena in order to accomplish this. So, definitely, you know, looking at the value aspect of it you're getting a great value. And historically, most people say, well, yeah, that's what they do. An emerging wine comes out um, and, and or a producer, and they start out at a value price. And in short order, as soon as they get the demand and the demand goes up, so does the price. I have a feeling you're not looking at that for a good five to 10 years. Believe it or not, and I know I go out on a limb in saying that, trying to predict the future here, but I think what it comes down to is you've got the perfect, perfect Soil, terror, and meets the perfect climate as well. And because of that, you know, you can continue to make great wines. And a lot of the wine producers and winemakers from other countries are now going to Chile, South America, Argentina, those areas in those regions looking to make wine, looking to buy, buy a bakerage and so on so that they can then put their name on wines like that and, uh, and see that same success. So, that's my thought on that for the day on that particular aspect. Next is from the Los Angeles Times, and it's called "A Toast to the Bordeaux 09. And here's a little snippet. You know, I, I'm very excited about the Bordeaux. I'm a big advocate and big um, drinker of Bordeaux. I like them because of the blends that they have. You know, these are wines that have been around for hundreds of years, uh, and, you know, it's tough to get it wrong. That's really what it comes down to. So here's what it says. It says, get ready, wine collectors. Bordeaux looks like it's having historically great vintage in 2009. The weather has been warm and dry all summer, and most of the Merlot is already harvested. On the right bank, where Merlot is the dominant grape, vintners are comparing 09 to the great years about that, I haven't. I'm not going to continue yet. Just think about that statement that's pretty impressive for anybody to put down in writing on paper. I'll continue. The 09 vintage has been the perfect vintage, said Christian Mouillet, president of the family company that makes some of the most expensive wines in Pomerol, including Petrus. All you Bordeaux and wine lovers out there who know a French wine know worldwide Petrus is probably one of the best had the summer of 89 and the picking of 90 I compare it to 47 we will have that kind of extraordinary character so again now you're talking about the wine producers and the winemakers who are now telling you that they think that, uh, that this is a phenomenal vintage so it's very promising and very exciting my thoughts on this it's great news I guess I said I'm a big fan of Bordeaux and I can't wait uh, for them to come out. Of course, there'll be plenty to seller for the next umpteen years, but with the past years being not so great for Bordeaux, it's, you know, fantastic news to hear that uh, this vintage is going to be something special. So when you go out there to buy some wines, you definitely want to go out there and take a look at the Bordeaux that will be coming out for 09. Of course, you'll have to wait a little bit. Uh, let's talk now about some great value priced wines. Today's choice is a 2006 Pinotage called Goats, actually, excuse me, 2007 Pinotage called Goats du Rhone. Sort of play on words there, obviously. This is from the Fairview Vineyard in South Africa. Wine Spectator gifted in 87. I rated it a solid 91 points. This is a blend of 40% Shiraz, 18% Pinotage, 70 percent Sinsol. 13% Carignan, 10% Mourvedre, and 2% Gamay Noir. The wine is priced at $12.95 approximately. So, you know, when you go out there and you're talking about under the $15 mark, and you're looking around at different countries and regions, to be able to find a good blend, which will now lend itself to different types of dishes if you want to, or by itself, to drink it. It's nice to be able to find something under that mark and know that it's going to taste good. I've tasted this wine, and I have to say, over and over and over again, it has not disappointed me in any way, shape, or form. And I highly recommend it. It's rich, it's medium-bodied, it's little subtle oak influences, soft tannins, fruit flavors follow through, right on the palate with supple tannins and A nice rounded finish. So, a good solid wine at a good solid buy. And I urge you, get a chance. And you're going out there to buy just a nice wine to drink at the end of the day. You have some friends over. You want to enjoy a good bottle of wine. This is a great bottle of wine to enjoy at that nice price point. And it's got, oh, the other thing I missed and I wanted to tell you about the... The fruit aromas on it. You get cloves. There's definitely a little spiciness to it. It's got a nice ruby red color. So, you know, nice looking wine, nice clarity, good aromas, everything all the way around. Good, good bottle of wine to get. Okay, let's move on a little bit here. Um, and prior to moving on, I just wanted to say with respect to what you could probably pair it with. I would do like, a, you know, anything from a beef dish to a nice spicy chili would be good. Again, medium-bodied, so it would hold up. Okay. Um, on to stew's pick of the week. Every week I'll be choosing a red and white wine that I recommend for the weekend or for any occasion. This week's red is, again, going back to South America, is Katana's 2007 Amankaya, Kaya, uh, which is a blend of both. Malbec, 50%, and Cabernet Sauvignon, 50%. Now, again, Cataina tends to be a little bit more expensive on the average bottle price. So you're looking at about $17.95 for this bottle. You may be able to find it a little less. You may be able to find it a little more. I highly, highly, highly recommend Amataya. To me, if you're first trying Malbec. And you want to just get a taste for it, just a little bit of the hints and the notes that you get out of a little bit of spice, medium-bodied. What's nice is that they paired it with or they blended it with a cab, which is full-bodied. So you get kind of that middle ground between medium and full-bodied wine. It's nice so that this way you can get a taste of a little bit of a hint of the characteristics of Malbec without actually, let's say, buying a full-blown Malbec. Some people... You know they are hesitant because they don't feel completely committed to trying a particular varietal of wine for whatever reason, and that's okay. I respect that. So here's the chance to be able to try the Malbec with, let's say, your favorite, you know, the Cabernet Sauvignon, and really appreciate getting some of the notes and the best of what the varietal has to offer, along with a nice cap. Uh, it's rich. It's medium Like I said, medium to full body right there in the middle. Uh, A little bit more between ruby and purple in color. Um, Nice tannins on it. Soft tannins on it. Good mouthfeel. I I got a little bit of, uh, maybe a little bit of leather. A little bit of tar. Um, On the the finish, the finish is good mid-palette. And all the way through, nice and consistent. I would say, again, this is something that you can do by itself. I would prefer to probably drink this by itself. That's just my recommendation for you. And I think that you'll uh, you really, really enjoy it. Amakaya is probably one of the most popular, as I've seen it uh, on the retail end, um, one of the most popular South American wines people have been picking up lately. Again, you know, you're know you spending a few more dollars for it, but it's definitely worth every, every penny you spend. On the white end, um, really, the one I, I like to, to go with for white, and most people, you know, you're not going to be running out there to buy it right now because it's a little bit pricey, but I, I really like uh, the Duckhorn, the 2007 Duckhorn Sauvignon Blanc. Outstanding Sauvignon Blanc. You're going to spend probably 27 to $30, somewhere in that region for it. Duckhorn is a very well-known Napa Valley winery and vineyard. They produce great Merlots. They're very, I have to say, as wine producers, they're very consistent all the way through, from their reds to their whites. Everything they produce is really, really good. I had a chance to get out there um, last year I toured Napa, and I went through a lot of the nice wineries. Um, I went to Silver Oak. I went to, of course, Duckhorn, Cake Bread, and um, Robert Mondavi, and so forth. If you go on my website, www.stewthewineguru.com, you'll find uh, pictures strewn across the you know each page of me at a variety of different these, of these wineries that I'm speaking of. Getting back to duck horn, the Sauvignon Blanc is just fantastic. It's really, really good. Very, very nice. Grapefruit. It has the quintessential characteristics grapefruit um, notes, as well as uh, elderberry and gooseberry. And you also get, uh, it's, it's nice and light. Great with, let's say, a, a fish, uh, you know, or a chicken dish if you want to do it. I personally would say, you know, ice it up a little bit. Get it nice and cold, then let it sit a little bit to get down to maybe you know the 50 degree, 55 degree temperature, and then just serve it up on a nice hot day if you're you know in a region of the country that is hot, or you can go and do it you know um, you know with a, like I said with a nice chicken dish, or if you're doing like a franchise, that's perfect for it as well. Um, duck horn for me very, very consistent, excellent wine producer, and any of the red or white that you go with, you're going to have a good experience. Just be cautious in that you're going to spend, on average, more for it per bottle, whatever the varietal may be, than you would for others. So Duckhorn, 27 to 30. Um, Wine Spectator gave this a, a 90, and I'm going to say, And I think that's respectable, but I feel that it's a little bit better than that. I'm going to go 92 because the um, acidity is low and uh, the fruit on it is a little bit higher. And it's just really a nice, well-balanced white wine. Okay, moving on here, we're going to go on to um, some of the upcoming events that are going on around the world here and around the country. Uh, let's see. Let give you some dates here. If you're going to be in Atlanta, Georgia, they have the Aquavino tasting at the Georgia Aquarium. It's the fourth annual Aquavino uh, tasting, and their guests are open to SIP, savor, and see word, the wonders of the ocean against the beautiful backdrop of the ocean ballroom and the aquarium's five galleries. So... Just to let you know, I'll give you some, a lot of people have emailed me or have said to me that, they, you know, it'd be nice if you knew the timing and everything else, the date and the time. So I'm just going to give it to you. It's Thursday, October 29th. The time is from 6 to 7 p.m. for VIP tasting and 7 to 10 p.m. for Grand Tasting. Again, at the Georgia Aquarium. Uh, the attendance, they're expecting a 1,000 guests. Believe it or not, that's a phenomenal showing. And uh, the VIP tasting would be $200 per person. The grand tasting is 150 per person, and their attire, they say, is cocktail chic. So I'm giving you some information. Hopefully, you can use that for that. In addition, the I'll give you some other, as I mentioned, some things to do. Uh, the 30th, if you're in Houston, Texas, you've got the Great Match Wine and Tapas Festival. It's actually a wine and tapas tasting. Um, it is, uh, again, October 30th in Houston. The Tasting Room Wine Cafe at uh, Uptown Park. And it is from, let's see, there will be a seminar between 12.30 and one thirty p.m. There's a main tasting from one thirty to 5.00. And then consumers and anyone else, 6.00 to 8.30. You'll definitely want to check it out. There's seminars and there's tastings going on. Uh, the Of course, the the latest releases from Spain. And uh, there's... Pretty comprehensive afternoon of tasting and open exclusively to the wine and food professionals and press, but you'll also be able to go to consumers from six to eight thirty p.m. So now, don't worry if you missed any of the events that I just spoke of. You can simply go to www.stewthewineguru.com and get all these and more on my news and reviews and recommendations page. So let's move on a little bit here and. Okay, so the question of the day was to screw cap or not to screw cap. I will take your calls now, if you like, at 646-381-4860, and I'll hear what you got for me. Or you can email me your answer to info at stewthewineguru.com, and I'd be happy to go over those emails. Again, looks like it's got some emails coming in here. Let's take a look. Okay, so the first one is from Vino Vinny from Brooklyn, New York, and he says, Stu, I listened to your show last week. Very enjoyable. Nice to hear a fellow Brooklynite. I will be listening on Saturdays. Okay? Simple answer. No screw cap. It has no romance, no pop. I had wine from a screw cap top bottle, and it tasted terrible. Also, it looks cheap. I'm Italian. And we, don't che- we don't do cheap, and we don't do screw caps. Just want to say continue success, and in my native language, multifortuna, excuse me, fortuna. A successo. Well, thanks, Vinny, for your email and your wish for good fortune and success. That's my uh, seven years of Italian I took in from junior high to high school. Embarrassingly saying. Um, and oh, hey, go Yanks too, definitely. Um, let's see. Well, I have to, I have to tell you, Vinny, um, I may have just gotten a, a you may have just gotten a bad bottle. That's basically what it comes down to. So you know I'm confident in when I tell you that if I had done the test that I've done where I've poured for my clients and for my uh, wine enthusiasts um, one one wine from a bottle that had a screw cap and the same type of wine from a, a cork bottle you couldn't tell the difference, Vinny and and that's really what it comes down to the taste is the taste is king. Next one is from her wine from Dallas Texas. And she says, hey, Stu, you really know your stuff and you're fun to listen to. Thanks, her wine. I have had some screw cap wines that were fantastic. That's good. My favorite screw cap cab is Cannonball at $14. I know that one, by the way, her wine, and it's outstanding. It's great for 14 bucks. It has a great body and, and finish. I told all my friends to listen with me on Saturdays. Dallas is listening. Well, thanks for wine, and uh, thanks to the whole state of Dallas for listening. Okay. Um, let's see. Next one is from Moore Grape from Seattle, Washington. And Moore says, "I'm a big wine enthusiast, and I went to your site and found out about grapes I never heard of." Okay. Great site, by the way. If I lived in South Florida, I would have I would have you host a wine tasting in my house. Well, that's <laughs> got to come down here just for that. Anyway, no screw cap. I'm a wine snob and cannot bring myself to put out a bottle with a screw cap. Just my way. Your show is great, and I'll continue to listen. Well, more great. Thank you for the uh, the good wine and uh, good compliments. Thank you. Um, Everybody's entitled to their opinion, so rock the cork bottles only. No problem. I'll just tell you this that within the next five to ten years, you'll see many of your favorite wine producers offer at least some of their profile with screw caps. And mark my words on that one. Take that to the bank. Well, don't take it to the bank, because right now the banks are really hurting. Finally, my thought on screw caps. As I say to most of my clientele and wine enthusiasts that I come across in my travels, if you poured wine for me out of a sock and it tasted good, I wouldn't care where it came from, whether it's a cork bottle or a screw cap. It doesn't make a difference. When it comes to wine, your nose and your mouth rule. Yes, your eyes, you know, you can tell a lot about a wine. But until you sniff and taste, you don't know anything about the wine. So screw caps keep younger wines very well. I don't say that you should sell a wine in a screw cap bottle. Right now, the the, uh, verdict isn't out on that. Cellar wines in bottles with cork closures. But there must be something to screw caps when you look at the fact that every wine-producing country now have wine producers that use screw caps. Think about that for a few seconds, and you'll see what I'm talking about. Okay, I have some time for some some questions. Once again, you can call me at 646-381-4860 or email me at info at stewthewineguru.com. All right, so I can see some email questions coming in, so I'll take a few. First one is from Tammy Frost in Oregon, and Tammy says, so does cheap white wine have any health benefits? Is it anywhere similar to drinking red wine? Okay, let me address cheap wine. There's cheap wine. My definition is white Zinfandel or white Merlot. Or for red wine, any jug wine where it is about the volume, not the quality. And then there's inexpensive quality value price wines. My definition is when it's about the quality, not the volume at, at value price. Follow me on that one? Okay. Drinking cheap wine is never good, both health-wise or for your pocket. Even though you spend less for it, uh, you get what you pay for. Now, the answer to the, is red wine versus white wine better. Red wine is actually better for the heart because not only does it have the vesritrol, but it also has antioxidants and heart-healthy nutrients, which help to keep the tissues and the veins healthy and working well. So that's it. You know, of course, drinking in moderation—one to two glasses per day—is okay. Um, you know, more and you're you're now causing adverse effects on your liver and other organs. So keep that in mind. Thanks for emailing that one. Okay, Uh, next is from, let's see, respectfully from Ohio, and it says, hey, Stu, what is the best wine to cook with? All right, well, thanks respectfully for your question. That's a more general question, I have to be honest. Um, If you're cooking with beef or pork, a red wine such as like Cabernet for beef or maybe a Pinot Noir for pork would be good. The heavier the dish, here's the kind of rule of thumb, you don't have to go religiously buy this but the heavier the dish the fuller the body of the wine you may want to use just to kind of balance it out okay um if you're using chicken or you're cooking with chicken or fowl a white wine like a sauvignon blanc um you know any blend with that or chardonnay you can use as well i don't really i'm not really an advocate per se to to cook with chardonnay but more to drink it with a chicken dish or a foul dish, or anything light like that. And again, back to that whole concept of the lighter the dish, the lighter body the wine you want to use. Um, I'm not somebody that tells you you have to drink red wine with beef and pork and all that, and you have to drink white wine with chicken. Everybody's palate. I say this over and over again. I tell all my clientele, every wine enthusiast that come across, everybody that emails me, everyone that I do wine tastings for, it's your palate. So if you want to drink a red wine and you taste it and it tastes good with a chicken dish, go for it. If you want to take a white wine and drink it with a beef dish, go for it. It's your palate. It's your mouth. It's your taste buds. And everything is really, you know, um, a personal thing. That's a good question. And, well, that's the last question we have time for. Um, So, What I want to do is I want to thank everybody for um, calling in and emailing today. Um, That's Wine Talk for today. I'm your host, Stu the Wine Guru. I want to thank all the listeners who listened and all your email questions. As I said, remember to come back here at blogtalkradio.com forward slash Stu the Wine Guru on Saturdays at 12 noon Eastern for more Wine Talk. Also, for more information about anything you heard today or about wine, you can visit my website at www www.stewthewineguru.com Email me any questions at info at stewthewineguru.com And as I always say, if it's time to pour the wine, it's time for Stew the Wine Guru. Drink up. Thank you, everybody.